In June 2009, Alistair Rock was disappointed to discover that the sex toy industry was limited when it came to non-phallic sex toys for the lesbian and queer community. There were, of course, a variety of pleasure products for women, but there were not many aimed at queer women. It was this that inspired Alice to create products specifically for lesbians and queer women. Tired of dealing with catalogs and sex shops catering to heterosexual couples or straight women, Alice launched Wet For Her in 2011. Her vision was to create a convenient online queer sex shop accessible to lesbian couples around the world. Ten years later, Wet For Her is an internationally established favorite. The shop has grown to include best-selling lesbian sex toys such as strap-on dildos, double dildos, and essentials like lube and foreplay accessories. Wet For Her set out to design sex toys that were not flesh-toned or intended to look realistic. All toys are made of 100% medical-grade silicone, ensuring the product is phthalate-free while providing a silky texture that is easy to clean and maintain. The Wet For Her Finger Sizing Guide provides an estimate sex toy size based on the number of fingers represented. The online selection is always expanding, and most recently, a new line of gender-affirming transmasculine products have been added to the shop. This includes an array of female-to-male packers and dildos. Wet For Her was originally created for lesbians by lesbians, but the mission and the toys don't discriminate. It is Wet For Her's goal to make this a welcoming space for queer women and the folks they love by celebrating a diverse range of bodies, genders, and orientations. So whether you identify as lesbian, bisexual, or queer, cis, trans, or non-binary, Wet For Her welcomes you. Fast and discreet shipping is offered throughout Europe, Australia, the United States, and Canada. And I have to say, I love their products. They are very pretty. Um, I have, I think, four different items from them, and I have been extremely happy with all of them. Um, they are a joy to play with and also to look at. And the suction, like the suction cups, are the best I've ever seen. I highly, highly recommend this brand. And you can check the link in this week's episode description to explore Wet For Her's beautiful collection of high-quality and queer-friendly products. Hello, friends. And welcome to another episode of Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Shopa. This episode is coming out on Christmas Day. So if you celebrate, Merry Christmas. If you don't, I envy you. Like I said before, I'm, I'm a Grinch. But it'll be nice watching my kitties open their presents, which is really just me unwrapping the presents that I had previously wrapped. But I still love it. <laughs> I hope that uh, whatever you're doing, you're making sure to take time to care for yourself. I know that the holidays are not easy for everybody, and especially for those who are experiencing some kind of grief, I encourage you to be gentle with yourself. Take some time. Do what you need to do to make yourself feel okay. Whether that is, you know, having a little breakdown before you have to go to a family dinner or taking a bubble bath whatever it is whatever it is just make sure that you are showing up for yourself I don't know why we still celebrate holidays I mean I do but like they're just a lot like I I love the song from Jinx Monsoon and Ben Delacreme's Holiday Spectacular 
Uh, it's called Everyone is Traumatized by Christmas. And isn't that the fucking truth? I mean, truly, truly, truly. It's, it's rough out there. <laughs> oh, I mean, I... And you always hear people talk about how, like, stressful this time of year is. And it's like, why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Why? Can't we just not? Can we just not do that? Can we just opt out of it? Oh, God, I hate the holidays. But maybe you're somebody out there who sincerely enjoys them. And if you do, then I hope that you have an absolutely fantastic holiday season. And this is actually going to be the last podcast of 2021, which seems crazy. It seems absolutely bonkers that I left my job seven months ago. Holy shit. And I haven't been evicted yet, so... (laughs) So let's keep hoping for for good luck into the new year. So let's talk about our guests for this week. This is a really fun conversation. I I enjoy listening back to the conversation. So like editing can be a pain in the ass sometimes, but in general, it's really nice to listen back because when I'm in the middle of a conversation, you know, I've got notes that I'm trying to make sure that I get to and I'm, I'm listening, but when I'm able to remove myself from the conversation and just listen as an outsider, I feel like I'm able to take in way more information and it becomes much more helpful for me. So this was uh, an episode that I really enjoyed listening back to. And we talk a lot about burnout and boundaries and balance. So what better time of year to put this episode out than literally on Christmas Day when we're all feeling stressed, we're all feeling burnt out, and we all need to set better boundaries. So let's get into it. Please give a warm welcome to this week's guest. She is a success and energetic alignment coach. She helps creatives and folks with ADHD to heal burnout, focus on their passions, and build success outside of the box. Everybody, please give a very warm welcome to Whitney Catalano. Well, welcome, Whitney. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, I found you through Instagram, and I'm hoping that you can share with us a little bit about the work that you're doing and the content that you're creating. I actually am, I switched it up a little bit this week, so I don't know if you saw that or not, but I typically work with like creative people with creative brains, high achievers, um, you know, healer types, and uh, recently been specifying a little bit with people with ADHD. Um, I help them with a number of different things, but the primary areas of focus I have are in making sure your work life is healthier and um, building businesses and building lives that are outside the box. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you down your current career path? Yeah. So I used to work in food freedom. I was doing food freedom coaching for quite a few years in my business and I was a dietitian and that was great. But then I ended up burning out on that and just not feeling inspired by it anymore. I was feeling very just 
sick of talking about it and like doing the same things and I didn't quite understand how to scale my business at that point or shift in a way that made sense. So I, you know, burned my business down and started something new. And um, one of the things that I've really been interested in is energetics and alignment and like figuring out what, what you are passionate about and what is inspiring and motivating to focus on because I think a lot of people struggle with that. And a lot of people are at this point in their life where they're changing careers or they're questioning their careers and they're wanting to know where they fit in um, in that sense because it's it's become increasingly more difficult to fake it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the pandemic has really shined a light on a lot of areas where we've kind of realized that like nothing is permanent. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I can certainly relate to that. I had a really cushy job up until May 2021. Um, and I decided that I was going to pursue my my coaching business. Yeah. So, um, and similarly to you, um, my background is also in dietetics. Oh, is um, it? Yeah, I, I didn't like talking about food all the time and being the person who people expected to you know tell them what to eat that wasn't my thing so i yeah. found my way towards intuitive eating um and so yeah that's actually how i stumbled upon your profile i was uh i go through the health at every size um registry mm -hmm. and i try to support creators who are um following those same guidelines and so that's how i came across yours and so what i think is awesome is that you said, you know, this like served my life at one point and now I'm ready to pivot and do something else. And I think that takes a lot of bravery. So I want to congratulate you on on making that change. Thank you. Yeah. One of the things that you talked about was burnout. And I think that we're becoming increasingly more aware of burnout. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what burnout is, first of all, and what are some kind of signs of burnout? Yeah. So um, what is burnout? That's a really good question. I don't know if I've ever like boiled it down, but burnout is essentially when you just can't anymore. Like you just get to this place where you can't. And um, for some people, it looks like avoidance and procrastination. Um, for some people, it looks like a full nervous system shutdown. Like you literally can't get out of bed, can't, you know, whatever. Um, for me, it felt like things were just not working the same. And I was on, at the time I was taking medication for my ADHD and like when the meds aren't even working, I was like, uh oh, like that's how you, that's how you know. Um, and I thought I had like hormonal imbalances. I was like, oh my God, I think there's like something wrong with my thyroid. Like I just felt super off. And it really was just burnout. Like I was just so exhausted and I was trying to do all the things and I couldn't keep up with it. Is Can burnout look differently for different people? Yeah, I'm sure it can. I think a lot of people, um, the way that burnout shows up is it's so subjective um, because people have such like judgmental perspectives on productivity and how they're supposed to show up in the world and how they're supposed to show up for work that you might tell someone that burnout is like, oh, it's, it's not being able to, you know, 
function in the same way or it's not being able to like focus or keep up with your work or whatever and they're like no i'm just like being lazy you're like okay sure but they're like and and i know people who have and i've worked with clients who their burnout was still like extremely productive because they literally don't know how to slow down mm -hmm. so they're still running around doing all the things and but they just feel awful like they're emotionally i think a really big one is that you're emotionally um at capacity so any little thing will set you off any little thing is feels like the end of the world and once i used to call it like the floodgates like once you release the floodgates because a lot of people who struggle with burnout also um one of the contributing factors is their discomfort with or unwillingness to feel their emotions and sit with their emotions so it's like let me work let me take care of everyone else let me control let me force let me you know hyper focus whatever instead of or over intellectualize instead of feeling my emotions and then when the emotions do come to the surface and demand attention it all comes pouring out of you yeah and you know as you're talking about burnout it sounds like it has symptoms that are very similar to general um you know mental health like depression and anxiety how how would you differentiate the two i have my own theories on that and i'm still to to be fair i have not done enough research on um depression specifically i feel like anxiety i could talk too much much more clearly i haven't done enough research on depression depression what i do know is so many factors that go into things like depression and we do know that um emotions that persist and repeat and trauma that has not been addressed and emotional states that are re-triggered by thoughts over and over and over again can create lasting moods which is what a lot of people would identify as depression um and I, I obviously understand that there is a spectrum and, and I'm not knocking like medication or anything as a treatment plan. I'm just saying that um, I think our understanding of mental health diagnoses is a little bit, is, is not the greatest because we put these things in a box as if they're unfixable. Like I know a lot of people look at depression and anxiety and say like, they are unfixable. I have depression because that's what they were told. They're told you have depression. You just will always have depression. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I believe that. Like, I, I think that the world that we live in is incredibly hostile in a lot of ways. And I don't think it's normal to um, be existing in this world. And I think that our brains are reacting appropriately to uh, a very unnatural way of living. And when we continue to exist in these structures and these societies, yeah, you might struggle with anxiety or depression for years and years and years because we continue to exist in a society that doesn't like support the way that your brain wants to function. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely live in a very ableist society. Yeah. Uh, and that I think becomes more and more evident to me every day. And I feel like we especially see it in the way um, it, that we're expected to work. Um, yeah. It's very rigid. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that just doesn't work for a lot of us. Well, and it's because human beings, you know, the way that the industrial revolution evolved or developed was that human beings were treated like machines. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't really changed. I mean, there's progress being made in it, I, I guess, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's just weird. It's a weird existence. It's, it's something I've been really grappling with recently and just trying to like understand how we got here and like why we all are just fine with this is the fact that we have to work not, you know, 40 hours a week to hopefully sustain a life. But it's like, I didn't ask to be born here. Like we're, if we're alive and we're living on this earth, like my cat is just vibing, you know, and I have to work 40 hours a week. Well, I don't, obviously I have a business, so I get, I have much more autonomy over that, but, but it's like the premise that we have to work for most of our waking lives just to exist. It's just very strange. <laughs> yes. I, I have similar thoughts like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's nice to hear somebody else, uh, you know, verbalize them. So thank you. Yeah. Very validating. My next question then is, if somebody is experiencing burnout, how can they help themselves and how can we help each other? There's a number of different things that would contribute to being able to recover and heal from burnout. And at the end of the day, it is a matter of personal responsibility, although, you know, societal changes are absolutely needed. And I think we need to keep having those conversations. We can't wait for society to catch up in order to help ourselves because it's just, it's going to not be a pleasant experience. Um, so the way that you really want to go about it is identifying the root cause as much as possible. And you know what is so funny? People will DM me and they'll tell me that they're burnt out and I will, and they'll ask me some question about it. The number one question I've gotten recently is like, oh my gosh, I thought that I was just, I thought there was something wrong with me. That's one. Or is it because I have like a vitamin deficiency? Is it like people, we, we want to really jump to like hormonal stuff. And I, I, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to jump to hormonal stuff, but I think that's also putting another bandaid on the problem. And then they'll eventually expose the answer without realizing that they're doing it. So they'll be like, is it just because I hate my job? And I'm like, well, if you're asking me, it's because you hate your job, then it's probably because you hate your job. Like you literally just answered the question in the question. So that's the first thing is like, if you have an inclination about what it might be, start there a hundred percent. Just a lot of us don't want to admit it because it's like, well, what do you do? What do you do if you hate your job? Like that's a big undertaking. So there's that part of it is identifying the root cause. It may be because you hate your job. It may be because there's just something wrong with your job, like the environment, or there's no mental health support, or um, it's not fulfilling, or you're not being paid enough, or you don't have boundaries or whatever it is. It could be something smaller about your job. Um, that doesn't mean you have to throw the whole thing away to make some changes. Um, it could be, and for a lot of people, it's emotional suppression. Like I talked about, sometimes you just need to cry and go be in your feelings and be a mess. It's a lot of people who struggle with burnout, um, have never let themselves be a mess once in their life. I mean, they're falling apart on the inside, but they've never let themselves be seen as a mess. So it's like, why don't you go have a breakdown and then let's talk. Because the breakdown is necessary. The, the being a mess in front of people is necessary. The other thing I would say is like play more. Art, dancing, singing if you like to do that. Um, going outside, taking walks, 
going to do something fun. It's counterintuitive because you're burnt out. You're probably falling behind on your work. You're probably feeling really like you're not doing enough and you're not good enough and there's whatever. And so the instinct is, oh my gosh, I have to work more. I have to do more. I have to focus more. I have to force myself to do this work. And really the best thing that you can do is walk away. So then the second part of your question is what can we do to support each other? Encourage each other to be a mess, I think is like the biggest thing, you know, don't hold yourself. I, I really wish people would stop bragging about how busy they are. Yes. Oh my God. Um, yes. I really wish people would like, when your friends brag to you about how busy they are, like question that, mm-hmm. you know, poke holes in it. Like, really? Like, is that really what we're doing? Because that's not that's not what I wanted. Like, no, why? Why are we doing that? That's so weird. It's so, it feels so Stockholm syndrome to me. Yeah. You know, like, oh my God, look how busy I am. It's like, none of us want to be doing this. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I agree so much with, with all that you just said. And I think, yeah, a lot of people do tend to hold their feelings in. Um, and I think especially as it relates to work, um, I was just talking about this earlier this week that, you know, the whole saying of like, leave your home life home and don't bring it with mm. you to work. That is so not realistic mm-hmm. because we are we are human beings and we feel a broad spectrum of emotions and we're supposed to. Right. Um and so being told to just like shove it all down until it's an appropriate time to release it is not reality for anybody right. really. And I know for myself, you know, when I'm having moments where I just don't feel great, like I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm grieving, whatever it may be, I've, you know, decided to take the time and sit with it and sit and be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because I think that we're not always supposed to be comfortable. Yeah. You know, we are supposed to feel all of these things and some of them are going to feel fantastic and some are going to fucking suck. Yeah. Um, but we have to feel all of it because that's part of the human experience. Um, and similarly, uh, you know, I can also relate to being having, you know, a million things on my checklist and not feeling motivated to do a single one, not feeling like I'm having any energy. And it does seem counterintuitive and like, oh, well, I have to finish this thing before I can go for a walk or before I can go, you know, draw or sing or whatever, or have my fun when it's like, well, I'm going to be sitting here for 10 minutes staring at this computer screen anyway. Why don't I take a 10 minute break and then come back? Because like, either way, I'm not going to get anything done. So I might as well do something that like feels good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, the bragging about how busy we are. I remember, and this was, you know, a part of what led me to realize that I didn't want to be in the corporate world anymore um, is my, my boss was constantly telling me about how her boss had like thousands of unopened emails. And I was like, why is that even acceptable? Like, that's clearly a sign that, like, somebody has too much on their plate. Right. Like, why are we, why are we celebrating that? Yeah. And so I appreciate you shining a light on all of that. And I know one of the things that you brought up was uh, boundaries. Mm. So how can we set boundaries for ourselves and for each other? Uh, Because I know that can be a real struggle for many of us. And I feel like 
particularly for women, because we are expected to fulfill so many roles, um, it can be a real challenge, especially for us. So what advice would you give to somebody who needs to set boundaries, but has a hard time doing so? I mean, I think for starters, and this is something I'm just going to be super blunt with my delivery on this, because I have decided recently that I am done sort of coddling this conversation. I used to really coddle people's feelings when I talked about this. And now I'm just like, that's part of the problem. Um, you're the only one being hurt with by your lack of boundaries. Like straight up, you're the only one being hurt by your lack of boundaries. And not only that, you're not going to get the validation and the approval and the, the whatever that you're looking for from the people that you are sacrificing yourself for. You're never going to get it because they are one of two things is happening. Either one, they are benefiting from your lack of boundaries. And so why would they do anything, say anything to rock the boat? And they're not going to like appreciate you going above and beyond because they're benefiting from it, but they're just going to keep benefiting. Like that's just it. You know, they're going to take advantage of it. That's fine. And it's not fine for you, but it's fine for them. Right. And the second thing that could be happening here is that they don't even realize it. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't want to admit to themselves is that your efforts are genuinely going unnoticed your lack of boundaries are genuinely going unnoticed. In a lot of cases, not everyone is the villain, right? Because oftentimes what's happening is we're in a villain, victim, hero complex. It's the ego drama triangle around boundaries where the one who is not setting boundaries is the victim. And is like, oh my gosh, poor me. Look at me, victim. I don't have any boundaries and I let everyone walk over me. And like, oh my gosh. And that makes the other person the villain. When half the time the other person is literally not even paying attention, has no idea that you have not set boundaries, has no idea that you're uncomfortable and is not a part of your victim villain thing at all. And again, you're the only one being hurt by it. You are the only one that is, is whatever. And then what happens is that you become resentful, you become angry, you become bitter. You're like, why is no one doing this for you? No one ever you never asked. <laughs> you never like you're you're literally setting these impossible expectations. Um and this happens in the workplace all the time as well, which I think is is trickier, right? It's trickier because there's a power dynamic, it's trickier because your job's online. I get it. And if you want respect in the workplace, you have to demand it. You can't be sacrificing yourself and expect people not to take advantage of it like they absolutely will. They absolutely will. And it's going to mess up the it's, it messes up the culture for everyone too, because then it sets the standard of like, you should be going ab above and beyond what you are being paid. No, stop that. Stop it. You should be doing what you're being paid for, period. That's it. Like, if you're going to be doing more, you should be paid more. You, and you're the only one who can advocate for yourself in that regard. You're the only one that can expect and, and advocate for your respect. So boundaries are tricky um, and it's, it's kind of challenging for me to give advice on how to set boundaries if I don't know the situation mm -hmm. because there's going to be ways that you can artfully speak to your boundaries and advocate for yourself um, that doesn't 
come across as abrasive. But one of the things I always tell people is when you're first starting to set boundaries, start interpersonally. You know, if you need to set boundaries at work and professionally, um, it chances are you also need to set boundaries in your personal life. And your personal life, although sometimes it can feel like there are more consequences because um, it's people that you really love that you don't want to leave you, there also, in a lot of ways, are less consequences because the people that you really love will accept parts of you that they're like okay well they might just like brush it off but i know when i was first learning to set boundaries like i was so aggressive about it because i the pendulum was swinging in the totally opposite direction and i would like get angry and then i had to go you know do an apology tour and be like okay well that was not necessarily the way to go about that like sorry but yeah just remembering that like your refusal to set boundaries is a form of covert manipulation um, to get people to view you a certain way and to get people to treat you a certain way and you're never going to get that from them by doing this you have to ask for it you have to respect yourself enough to stand up for what you need and to ask for what you need and like that's that's the end of the story yeah that is great advice and yeah i agree it can be kind of tricky um you know, especially if you're telling yourself a story about how you are being perceived and how you will be, how that will change if you start setting boundaries with people mm -hmm. and letting your expectations be known. Thank you for sharing all of that wonderful insight. Mm -hmm. Also wanted to ask about, um, and I've seen other creators talk about this as well, but I know that you talk about it quite a bit, is talk about masculine and feminine energy existing within all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about what exactly that means and how we can harness both of those energies to create optimal success and happiness. Yeah, so masculine and feminine energies are really interesting. I am still on the fence about how I feel about those terms just because they're not the most uh, inviting terms to people who have never heard the conversation before. And, but I, I just don't know what else, like it's, I don't, I don't know what else I would use. So we're just going to go forward with it. But just know that like, I didn't make these terms up. This is a very largely discussed topic and there hasn't been another term that has like resonated in the same way. Mm -hmm. So take it or leave it. But the masculine energies or divine masculine energies, because there's wounded expressions and there's divine expressions of each. And we all have it regardless of gender. We all have both. Now, as most people can probably guess, most of our society, especially in the U.S., is a masculine energy it's a wounded masculine energy it's very pushy forceful manipulative um but it's it's rooted in what is supposed to be this divine masculine energy which is like get shit done you know creates structure moves things forward like goes after what you want and is very um it's it, i mean it's it's that energy it's the doing energy the divine feminine is the receiving energy, the being, the playing, the creating, the receiving, the protecting. It's a very powerful energy, but it's very relaxed. It's very like open and receptive. Now, most people have an imbalanced expression of the two. People are either, either overexpressed in the masculine and a wounded masculine and underexpressed in the feminine, or they go the totally opposite way, 
overexpressed in the feminine, underexpressed in the masculine. I've been both in my life. I was raised overexpressed in the masculine, you know, especially this idea of like, you got to compete with men. You got to, you know, be like, you have to be this certain way. It's a lot of force and discipline and, you know, routine and structure. And that's just not how I am built. I'm not built to, to have the same kind of uh, routine every single day and the same kind of structure every single day. That's just not, that's, it's not for me. It's for some people. It's not for me. And then the overexpressed masculine is really what led to my burnout because I was working so hard and I was doing so much and I wasn't letting myself be and receive and I was forcing and pushing and trying to control everything, which is a wounded expression. Um, so then when I started leaning into my feminine, it was like, oh my gosh, things are so much easier. I can flow. I can relax. I can receive like things in my business were going well. It just felt a lot more intuitive. However, without the masculine structure there, I wasn't getting a lot of things done. I wasn't setting myself up for success. I wasn't creating stability. An overexpressed feminine is going to have some instability. It's going to flow. It's going to be, and flow is great until the bills have to be paid, right? And then you still need some stability and structure. So if you want to express both of them, what you got to do is you have to use the healthy masculine, the, the divine masculine energies to create the structures and the safety so that the divine feminine can chill. The, the wounded feminine is a lot of what we see in this, like in the I hate men movement, Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't necessarily disagree with. I just don't, I don't, I don't know if that's like the way that I would go about it anymore. I used to be all on board with like, fuck men, da, 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 da. And I was like, that's not really getting me anywhere. Like, that's not really, it's like only just making my relationship with men worse. And I like men, like, let's, let's be honest. I like ones that treat me well and are nice and are, um, good to me and are emotionally resourced. I believe that they're out there. I believe that there's a lot of men in therapy and doing the emotional work. And me adopting the, you know, fuck all men vibe um, was only showing me examples of men who are not doing the work and was only showing me that like men are terrible. And I just like don't, that's, that's not the kind of evidence I want in my life. Because what, again, what does that get me? That just, that just hurts me. (laughs) Like that's no, like they need, yes, they need to do their work and like step it up. But I'm just going to hold myself to that capacity of like not tolerating less than that. Okay. But when we look at this, right, in this movement, women have become hyper independent. Uh, So if we're thinking about energies, I'm talking about gender, but if we translate it into the energies, right, Um, we've become hyper independent. We have to fend for ourselves. We become very cynical, very like, we're no one's ever going to be there for us. Like, that's what I've experienced at least is like, And so if you think about that within your own body, if your masculine, if your inner masculine is not providing structure and support and safety, your inner feminine is going to become very resentful, very forceful, very controlling, very bitter, very like, I have to do it all. And it's, it's, it's imbalanced. It's just, you're not gonna, it's not going to feel good either way. So it's almost like having a conversation with two parts of yourself on a daily basis to be like, what do you need? What do you need to exist in the world and feel safe to exist in the world? 
the inner masculine can provide that so that the inner feminine can chill out and go take a bubble bath or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. or just to receive, to receive money, to receive love, to receive um, support and safety and beauty and, and creative insight. If you're a creative person, this is especially important. You have to create structure so that the creativity can shine because without the structure, um, within which it's like a container, right? Without that container to be creative in, you're not going to feel very creative mm -hmm. or you're going to be waiting for your feelings to feel creative, which is like anyone who has ever been in any sort of creative field or had a creative passion knows that feelings are fickle. And if you wait for your feelings to create, like you might, sometimes you're waiting for a really long time and it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it really is about balance as somebody who is creative and i would say that i probably present more with my with my uh, feminine energy mm -hmm. uh it can be hard to kind of reel it in and be like okay all right shoba like let's let's get to work here so do you have any tips for how we might better find that balance what what happens at that moment when you're like oh i need to reel it in um so i am somebody who i get very in my head and I lose track of time very easily because I spend a lot of time in um, in, in my thoughts, essentially. Okay. Um, and so a, a significant amount of time will pass before I realize, like, oh, shit, I haven't done anything, but I've, like, created this ginormous fantasy in my head. Mm, okay. And so then how does that make you feel in your body? Um, it makes me feel like I've wasted time. Mm. Is there anxiety associated with it? Oh, God, yes. Because yeah. especially now, you know, my ability to create things is directly tied to my income. So my right. productivity is directly tied to what I bring home. Right, right. Yeah. So in that moment, like, because the masculine structure is lacking, and the feminine wants to be creating, the feminine doesn't feel safe to create because it's like, oh my God, I'm like in this dreamland. I don't have the space because we're not, we're not creating our best work from scarcity, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I realized was that I was using like financial scarcity to motivate my creations because I didn't have that masculine structure in place to make me feel safe to chill out. So it's like I was only letting myself creative when I like needed to make some money okay. because that was like how I knew how to create structure for myself was in panic and urgency. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that you can create more creative space for yourself and for the feminine to be able to like chill out and relax and then also and be in that dreamland because the part of us wants to be in that dreamland. Like it's fun mm -hmm. and it's nice to be in the dreamland and be like, Ooh, this is great. And like all the stuff, is by holding yourself accountable for the inner masculine to like actually move forward on certain things, to choose to pick something and see it through. And especially to create structures of income that are reliable and consistent so that you don't have to be on all the time. Um, one of the ways that I'm balancing my energies is through creating you know, consistent, I want to, I'm working on creating a funnel right now, like an ad funnel for programs and a core offer. And 
run that core offer because I want this ad funnel to be, I don't want to have to show up on Instagram if I don't want to. I don't want to have to create a program out of nowhere if I don't want to. I want to be able to have that space to create things that I really, really want to create. And so I need financial stability in order to do that. And I'm the only one who can create that for myself. It's also taking care of myself. Like if my inner feminine ran the show, um, I would not work out as much as I do. I would not like get up and clean and do all these things as much as I do, do all these like boring mundane tasks. I probably wouldn't even look at my income or look at my finances. I would just be like spending money and chilling and living in my life of luxury, which like one day we're working towards that, you know, but the inner masculine has to come in and do some of these boring things and some of these mundane things or to work out, to get out of bed in the morning, to hold myself accountable to like showing up the way that I need to show up so that I have that space and that peace of mind to chill out. Absolutely. I think that all makes sense. Um, I'm sure it's, you know, something that is to be practiced. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely see the value in that. I think that's something that I've kind of started to work on is kind of asking myself the question of like, what are you trying to do? And like, how can we do that in the best way possible that still allows me to do the things that I want to do? So it's like balancing those wants and needs. So that way they, they correlate and work well with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you for that wonderful explanation. I have really appreciated your time and your willingness to come on. Um, I feel like I've learned so much. And now I want to give you the ability to tell us where can we find and support you and your work. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Whitney Catalano and on Twitter and on TikTok at Whitney Catalano. Um, That's pretty much it right now. I am going to be working more so with people with ADHD or even if you're undiagnosed but have a creative brain um, tend to not think about things in a linear fashion visionary people who are just here to be more creative um, I will be talking a lot more about that how you can fit into capitalism and make money in a way that feels better for you um, and just to live a more balanced like healthier existence um, not in the context of food, but in the context of your mind and your body. So that is what I will be doing. And um, yeah, that's it, I think. <laughs> awesome. That sounds like such a great calling and something that will be useful for a lot of people, myself included. Um, so I appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like more content from Empowered Authenticity, make sure to follow on Instagram at empowered underscore authenticity. We'll see you next week. Do you feel stuck and unmotivated? Want to create your dream life but don't know where to begin? If you're interested in improving your relationships, communication skills, or feeling more comfortable in your skin, I can help. 
Together, we can determine what's holding you back from living your best life and help to quiet that negative Nancy residing in your head. If you've been interested in working with a coach who is optimistic and authentic and empowers you to be as well, then schedule your free 30-minute chemistry session today by going to empoweredauthenticity.net. Again, that's empoweredauthenticity.net.